Welcome to the Fit Vegan Podcast, the show where we help you optimize your health, fitness, and mindset on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. My name is Maxim Siguain. I am a former triathlete, powerlifter, bodybuilder, and basketball player, and I've been vegan for over nine years. I'm also the founder and CEO of Fit Vegan Coaching, which has helped over 500 vegans from 20 different countries to completely transform their bodies and their health. I'm excited for you to hear today's episode. Let's get into the show. All right. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fit Vegan Podcast. Today, I am joined by Maya Acosta. Maya, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Maxime. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, of course. Very excited. I, I was on your show maybe like a few weeks ago or maybe like a month ago. Um, mm-hmm. So really happy that Mr. Robert Cheek was able to, to, put, to put us in contact. Yes, I'm so grateful too. I just keep learning about wonderful people in the plant-based community and in the fitness industry now. So it's just, it is wonderful that we got connected because I I continue to learn so much from you. Yeah, well, same here. And our little worlds are interconnecting with Dr. Lori and you and Robert and kind of all those cool people. Um, Today, I'd like to dive into your story, how you got to where you're at and obviously some of the work that you're doing. And so let's dive into what initially brought you into the into the plant-based world. Oh my goodness. Um, well, there are two components. There's the part of my trying to heal my relationship with food very, very early on in my life in college. So I'll, I'll mention that briefly. And then there's the other component of uh, when I was already with my husband, when I entered the relationship, I was not on this journey at all. We came to it together, but it was really, I think, I kind of led the way, believe it or not. Um, Oftentimes people always, you know, they tell me, oh, your husband must have been the one that told you about nutrition. And I said, no, it's the other way around. I kind of brought him on board. And that really started because when I was younger in high school, I had uh, not a healthy relationship with food. Um, There was a tremendous fear of gaining weight because my family were immigrants from Mexico. And as a young family of four, so my parents had four daughters, um, and suddenly having access to so much food, my father Mm. became a steak man. Every single day he had to have steak at dinner. (laughs) You know, he sat at the head of the table and had his steak, even if we didn't have any any of that. But uh, there was a little bit of a machismo kind of thing in there. But uh, yeah. that's the way it went. And the longer we lived here and the more immigrant family came that I, it's amazing that at a young age, I noticed this, but I began to notice weight problems in my family, like the, especially, especially the women gaining mm-hmm. weight. And so, um, it, it didn't take long in high school. I just started starving myself. And, um, and, you know, I always want to be careful when I talk about these things, because I know that, it's very prevalent among women, no matter what age, but uh, yeah. I was heavily restricting, but it was also Maxime. I know that you're familiar with the inner work and mental health and you have so yeah. much, so much that you're familiar with. But I, as I reflect, I also realized that part of it was just really the numbing. I was, you know, restricting heavily to not feel all the other things that I didn't want to feel, um, mm-hmm. things that were happening in my household. Um, but yes, fast forward to college, I'm a very skinny girl, skinny girl, underweight, and I want to go into the field of psychology and, uh, and I take a nutrition class, nothing. I do, I don't feel like I really learned anything, but during that time I had some exposure 
where I saw a video of a cow being slaughtered. Mm. And uh, and yeah. what went, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can imagine how profound that was because, well, I had never seen that before. <laughs> yeah. And then and then I, I started to learn how like um, what we call processed foods now, but like how sausages are prepared and how cartilage and other parts of the animals are thrown into the sausages. And I, I've always been a person that enjoys documentaries. So I somehow had exposure very early on. And so in college, I stopped eating red meat and pork. Okay. And it sounds very basic, but in a traditional Mexican household, <laughs> at least the way that we were growing up, we did yeah. not just eat the typical parts of the animals. We ate the other stuff that I don't even want to mention on your show, but uh, I eliminated many things. And from that point on, I it just, it went on like that, Maxime. I just kind of spend the rest of my adult life trying to figure out the best way to eat. And so what did that evolution look like as you were transitioning to eating more plant-based and kind of discovering these new ways did you, um, how, first of all, how many years ago was that? So when I was in college, I'm 53 now. So over 25 years ago, much longer than that was when I initially took a nutrition class. And yeah. then I kind of considered myself sort of like a vegetarian. Uh, it's funny, but I, I often felt conflicted with eggs. So there weren't many animal-based products left, right? When you go <laughs> vegetarian, yeah always conflicted with do you eat eggs or not and uh, also repulsed by milk the smell of it yeah um, and so I kind of really only ate seafood for the most part and I started to have health problems in my mid-30s and I didn't know what that was I know that now looking back again there was a lot of um, trauma and stress and being a workaholic and all of that that I know contributed to my health issues. But it it wasn't until I was around 40 years old that I went to an, um, a biological dentist at the time I was living in California. And I had been doing some reading because I was into the holistic things and natural cures and other things like that. And I remember yeah. reading about the dangers of having amalgam feelings, you know, when you feel a cavity. Yeah. And I started doing research and I went to her and I and uh, she I found her because she was one of those ex um, specialists that removed amalgams because mm -hmm. they pretty much have to like wear like a hazmat suit kind of to protect themselves. Um, and so anyway, having this conversation, she asked me, I was telling her about other health issues that I had. And she said, have you ever been tested for mercury poisoning? And I said, never. I mean, but I eat fish, so never. All the time, yeah. Yeah. So we had all sorts of analysis done. And sure enough, I wish I still had that piece of paper, that lab results. Uh, my levels went, were extreme, like uh, poisoning, like from zero, like I guess the body naturally, if the body is optimized, can help naturally detox some of these toxins. But if yeah. the score, say, was from zero to 100, I was like at 120. And wow. From there, I had a lot of adrenal fatigue. I had um, developed hypothyroidism. Um, I've always believed that the mercury contributed to some of these health issues. And I went to see an endocrinologist who kind of didn't really know what he was doing. I remember I took a book on hypothyroidism to, to him because I am that patient <laughs> that does a lot of research. Listen, doctor, read this. <laughs> and he's like, you can put your book down. <laughs> so he wasn't. Uh, 
at all happy that I went in there informed. Um, but anyway, he I never really felt like he was properly treating me and I started to gain weight. So I went from being a young girl in my 20s, fear and even in my teens, right, being afraid of gaining weight to suddenly finding myself in my 40s, gaining weight and feeling cold, losing my hair, all the symptoms that we tend to have when we have hypothyroidism. And yeah. so, yeah, that um, it just so happened to be that around that time I met my husband. So I was living in San Diego and he was here in Dallas. And, uh, and then I relocated and I was already, I had been prescribed all sorts of things by my endocrinologist. So I immediately blew up. Like I would say yeah. that within 30 days, I must've gained like 20 pounds. It was ridiculous wow. because you know how cortisol, like some of these um, steroids um, can contribute yeah. to weight gain and water retention. And um, I'll have to find some photos, but my face was really puffy. My legs were really thick. I was holding, retaining a lot of water. And uh, so little by little, my husband said, I'm going to de-prescribe you before the word is de-prescribe existed, right? Because I don't think people really talked about it like that. But he said, I'm going to slowly take you off all of this medication. He's just giving you too much. And um, okay. Just for so, people listening, what does your husband do for work? Oh, so my um, my husband is a vascular surgeon, which yeah, is, okay. yeah, part of the reason why we do the work that we do today is because of um, who he sees, who the, his patients are. So he sort of, I trusted him enough to take his advice about coming off my medication. And at the time we were living right across a Whole Foods. Like well, I was dangerous. A... <laughs> <laughs> I would be there every night. Right. It was an amazing experience. I only lived there a year. And then we found another place that I preferred because it was a building and I'm, I'm an yeah. outdoorsy person. I don't like going down the elevator every time I want yeah. to step outside, but I would come down Maxine with a little cart, you know, one of those personal carts and I'd walk over to Whole Foods, do my groceries and then walk back. And I just loved that Whole Foods. Well, wouldn't you know it that that same Whole Foods um, is where I picked up the book, The Start Solution by Dr. John McDougall. Yeah. And I want to say that that was like in 2013. And that was the beginning of me discovering, I didn't even know this book was plant-based or, you know, not, I didn't even know. Let's just say that I started cooking this way and everybody in the family was like, okay, we're not going to touch this food because <laughs> it had no yeah. oil, no added sugar, uh, no salt. And, um, and so time went by, but I was already you know, I was being introduced to the healthier versions of the foods that I like. And I also liked that Dr. McDougall um, changed my mindset about what people typically think about when it comes to like carbs. You know, yeah. you hear the word carbs without actually speaking specifically about the foods you are referring to. And so suddenly I, I felt like I had permission to eat a sweet potato or just a potato and I'm okay. Like, yeah. Um, How much of a liberating feeling was that to just like right. remove that fear? Right. Well, it was incredible because since I was mainly sort of a pescatarian vegetarian, I naturally gravitated towards the other kind of more ethnic foods. So like the Vietnamese dishes or Thai dishes or anything like that, I naturally liked a lot of vegetables and rice and pasta and things like that. Although now I know that you don't want a mass process, but for the most part, it was extremely liberating to know that, you know, 
I don't have to starve. I don't have to be hungry so I can eat the foods that are rich um, and satisfying because that's part of what McDougall was talking about is that you don't want to just eat salads. You need the foods that make you feel satisfied so that you're not hungry. Yeah. And so I had permission to eat, you know, all this food. And then I understood it's the other stuff we add to the sweet potato, like the sour cream and all the other fatty things. that And the bacon bits and the, all that yes. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and the butter <laughs> and the butter and all that. So I had started this process and then my husband wasn't on board, uh, even though he's the scientist, he was not on board. And so then one day, so I'm, I'm doing this on my own. I decide no judgment. I'm just going to do this for myself. And there was freely the banana girl and other YouTube videos that I was watching that, you yeah. know, encouraged me to live this way. And then I hear that Rip Esselstyn was going to come to Dallas to that same Whole Foods uh, right across the street. And it was part of a book promotion where they also offered a meal. So I think it was for a small fee. It was kind of like buffet style. And um, so I took my book. And I think at the time the book was called My Beef with Meat. Okay. And so nice. <laughs> I take my husband and another couple, the other, the husband of the other, you know, the other couple, he's a firefighter. So he was very interested in this. And, uh, you know, it, nothing was new to me because I was already being introduced to all this content. But my husband, it's like he just like a blank stare, kind of like he had seen a ghost. I mean, he was just in shock, could not yeah. believe what he was hearing. And he was hearing it from a firefighter. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, and so he learned that the same disease, uh, cardiovascular disease um, that my husband Riz um, was told many years ago during his training that he could only treat, not really reverse. You, you just kind of have to manage this disease. He learned through Rip Esselstyn that it could actually be prevented and in some yeah. cases even reversed with the right foods. Well, that's so. beautiful. So Rip's work is working. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's been such an inspiration. Yeah. And so it seems like you mentioned Philly to banana girl. So did you ever try the, the, the banana Island or the mono meals? Did you ever kind of like fall into the raw till four? Yes. I tried the mono. I did raw till four, which means that all the food that you consume mainly being, you know, fruit is uncooked, unprocessed until 4 p.m. And then you can have a cooked meal, but still stay plant-based. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I had mainly mangoes, bananas, papayas, and I tried doing All what the good she stuff. did. All the good stuff. And until this day, I love I love to snack on those. And uh, so my countertops in the kitchen were all lined like a lot of these raw foodists are, you know, how they just yeah. have food stuff. I even dreamed of having like a, uh, the shelf. Robbie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's just Johnny so Juicer. Do you know who Johnny they, Juicer is? Yes, yes. He's a good buddy of mine. You see it in his videos. He's like a shelf <laughs> of like watermelons, mangoes, papayas. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried that. And um, so, and I share this story when I talk about how people sometimes um, complain initially as they begin to have more fiber in their diet. They initially yeah. complain about feeling bloated or maybe even retaining water, just feeling uncomfortable. Well, I did it from one day to the other because that's how I am. I'm, I'm a little extreme. Once I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And then uh, I was doing it um, without really easing into it. And so the other thing that I found difficult at the time was that not all produce is ripe, right? Mm -hmm. Not everything is ready yeah. to be consumed when you first buy it. 
So that's another thing we teach, like when we have an opportunity to tell people like how to navigate the grocery store. But um, and then what ended up happening, which I often share as well, is that that year when I made that whole transition, we were traveling a lot. And uh, I mean, we were going to Cancun and Hawaii and then to other conferences and we were staying pretty busy. And I naturally gravitated towards the easy foods, which are the yeah. processed foods. Yeah. And sure enough, I gained weight again. Um, yeah, I was and at the end of the year. I said to my husband, like, honey, I don't think I'm doing this thing right. I, I'm not eating enough greens. I mean, I just knew the food yeah. was packaged. The food that I was eating was frozen and packaged. I wasn't doing this right. So, yeah, I love to talk about the vegetarian aspect because a lot of people, they're like, well, I'm being healthy because I'm just consuming fish. It's probably the least worst out of all of them compared to like chicken and steak and dairy and all of that. But I'm, I'm happy that you share the mercury aspect because it's a big point that people forget. Right. People think that just because it's a fish, it's more innocent, would be less harmful to the body. But that fish is coming from an ocean filled with a lot of things that you don't want to be consuming. That's right. And the other thing, too, that I, I think we we really don't know where our food comes from. It, I mean, you'd have to do some deep research to figure out where the fish in your restaurant that you're eating at came from. I mean, some of these fish, you know, they could be grown Um and uh, I forgot what they're called, but these kind of fish ponds where they grow and yeah. just um, they're infested in their own stuff and uh, and given, you know, growth hormones or whatever it is. And so whether it's out in the open ocean or or farmed in, in yeah. a sense, I think you run a lot of risk of because they still absorb what's in the water. Yeah. And so, yeah, definitely. And then I. Anyway, I learned about so much in terms of how the, the fish are like sponges, like they absorb everything, even microplastics, right? Like now that's the other thing that um, we are really concerned about. But fish was the main, I guess, if you called it a protein back then, like the main protein yeah. that I ate. Um, and then, but uh, it's funny, as soon as I had all that dental work done, I stopped consuming anything from the ocean. No more crab legs, no more shrimp. All of that seafood went out the window like I was just done. And it was yeah. just because I realized I had to, um, you know, start allowing my body to heal, which is incredible that the body has that ability to heal. And yeah. then, um, but yeah, that first year was really tricky because I wasn't, as much as I enjoyed cooking, I, there were so many things I didn't know how to prepare in the kitchen. Like I didn't know how to cook without oil. Yeah. You know, you, you think that you, the meat is the main center of every meal. So you focus on that and throw in some vegetables on the side. But so it was a complete sort of like a paradigm shift for me to revisit the kitchen in a new way with new eyes. So, yeah. Well, yes. if you don't mind, let's talk about those two. What are what are tools and strategies that people can use if they're trying to cook with no oil? And if the people are wanting to not have meat as the main dish on their plate? What are kind of some of the things that you did to help you? Mm -hmm. Well, initially, like I said, I, I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, some of the books that I really like, I, I've always liked in terms of recipes, I've always enjoyed recipes by the Esselstyns. So Rip, yeah. um, he had one of his books, I forgot, forgot which one, I think it was the seven day rescue plan taught me that if I think of meal prepping 
rather than recipes, but putting together food as having a bowl. So for example, you can have a breakfast bowl. Uh, so that'll be something like oatmeal and your toppings. Lunch could mm -hmm. be, you know, a salad and your toppings. Dinner can be like lentils or like what I call a Buddha bowl. I begin to eat that way. So um, basically thinking of the Daily Dozen, Dr. Um, Michael Greger and the suggestions yeah. that he makes for the foods we should eat. Well, basically, you just put them in a bowl. So you have your greens and I like sweet potato and you can have tofu and you can have some grains, uh, quinoa, for example, or lentils. Um, and then just like a cashew sauce if you need a sauce. Um, but we started using watermelon in our um, salads. And the watermelon nicely kind of blends everything and flavors the salad. And it's so, like a little vinaigrette. Yes, exactly. Oh, nice. I'll try yeah. that. Uh -huh. And also yeah. the, um, the kind of like lemon, um, also kind of like, not lemon, but orange slices also flavor a salad nicely. And so that's how I started doing things. I wasn't trying to go out and be, you know, have this culinary experience initially. I just wanted to know what could I eat that simple and easy and I won't feel hungry. So that's one of the things. And I forgot the other question. <laughs> uh, oils. Like, how did oh. you get around not cooking with oils originally? Well, I went, oh, I have to tell you this story. I went from buying a deep fryer that I hardly mm -hmm. used because I don't like deep frying, period, even before I went plant-based. But I went from buying a deep fryer to not frying at all. And I only bought the deep fryer because at the time before I was, you know, vegan, uh, plant-based, I would replicate recipes for my husband's daughters. So if they liked food from certain restaurants, I would try to replicate them at home because I just, you know, I enjoy being in the kitchen. And one day I decided that I was going to prepare for the girls lobster tail. And so I went to this Asian market and I, where you actually pick up a living lobster and, yeah. and they put it in, you know, they package it for you and you bring it home and, and take care of it. And I, knew I must have known life must have told me that's not for you this is just not in you to do this yeah. but I remember cringing on the drive home as I heard it trying to escape it was just making the, these noises it, I mean it was alive yeah. and then oh my god Maxime yeah, I don't know if you've ever done anything like that but <laughs> well we we killed our own chicken when I grew up on the farm right so we chopped the head off I <laughs> we emptied the chicken we plucked it we did everything so thinking back it's crazy now but hey i was a kid we were farmers that's what we did and that's what my dad's yeah. was like this is what you need to do so yeah it's it feels weird to think back on it now even to yes. the story with the lobster because yes. just the boiling but like letting it boil while it's alive it's just like it just gets you in the heart uh, <laughs> and i couldn't do that it was my husband i and he i could tell he didn't want to do it either but he's a little more courageous than i am and so i was like please just help me i can't do this i can't and now looking back, I was saying, I can't take another life because that's what I yeah. was doing. I was taking on the, and that was the, it, the only time I really used the deep fryer was for that and to make some tempura. And then I remember feeling um, my body naturally, I feel like I have very like um, intuitively, um, physically, my body really lets me know what works and what doesn't work. And I remember feeling very heavy with oily foods, deep fried yeah. foods not really liking it. And so, yeah, at the time that I made the change, I understood 
how yeah. bad deep fried foods are. It's part of that whole, you know, standard American way of living Western diet. And so it, they, I didn't have to be convinced not to fry. Other things I began to learn, for example, I brought on a uh, mushroom specialist on the show and, uh, and he told me, you know, the mistake that people make with, um, with mushrooms is that they don't heat up the pan enough before they cook the, um, the mushrooms because the mushrooms release their own moisture. And so you actually don't even need to add any oil or if you do saute in some broth, your onion, and then add the mushroom that itself also helps to cook the mushrooms. And so that's kind of how I started doing it. I, I mean, I learned, I took a culinary course through Ruby. Ruby has a program for plant-based nutrition. And I learned, you know, just the proper way of cooking vegetables. And this was new to me as well, that in general, whether you eat cafeteria food, like growing up in the school system, or you go to certain restaurants, vegetables are either overcooked or they're undercooked, which is yeah. why people most likely don't like a lot of the foods like the spinach and the asparagus, even carrots are not properly cooked. And so yeah. when I study this culinary course, I got it. I learned, you know, how you're supposed to blanch and, and how you're supposed to boil certain vegetables and not too much heat here and just enough here, um, not overcooking greens either, just enough to just help them kind of, what do they call like reduce. Yeah. And so, so just for the people listening, who is Rudy and who's the website for the people that potentially would want to learn more? Okay. So Ruby is spelled R-O-U-X-B-E. It's an online culinary school. And anyone can take this uh, this course. And they have actually various classes. It's not all plant-based. It's whatever you want to learn. But they have a forks over knives cooking uh, class. That's a shorter version of uh, what I took, which was more extensive. I think it was like a three-month or six-month course. and okay. But you can do it at your own pace. And uh, you're given assignments. And you learn, like I said, the basics from you know, basic knife skills to how to entertain like a group of people. Um, and I love being in the kitchen. So I, I'm that person that enjoys cooking shows. So for me, it was gratifying to take this course. Yeah, beautiful. So definitely for people to check it out. Just wanted to basically clarify for people that hear all these amazing websites that podcast guests always share. They're like, oh, where? how do I find this? Where is this link? What is the name of this? Right, um, exactly. I like to dive into like your your bigger mission. So you're the host of Healthy Lifestyle Solutions, which again you had me mm -hmm. on the show like a, maybe a month ago. Mm -hmm. What's the what's the bigger mission for you? What's the 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 thing, the big thing that you're working on? Oh, well, I'll I'll say that the way that I started with all of this, um, it was really as a result of my husband's work and his patience. And so it's interesting that before meeting him, because I was into the whole holistic uh, aspect of life, I, I didn't believe I till this day, I don't like taking medication. I'm just the person that prefers the natural approach to things. Um, and then the more that I got to know him, the more that I learned about his work and every day I, I hear all the stories and of, you know, what the patients endure. So by the time you become a patient of my husband's, you're pretty far gone in terms mm -hmm. of disease. You're, it's pretty advanced. Um, he sees everything from most, the majority of his patients live with type 2 diabetes. Um, they've had strokes. They have heart disease. They have 
other health conditions, wow. um, very advanced diseases, and they're usually always referred by another physician. So, you know, they become long-term patients of my husband's. Once they see him, they just will continue to see him because he will continue to manage that disease. And so yeah. he builds long-term relationships. And I've seen, you know, what it's like when he loses a patient um, as a result of complications of their diseases. Um, he doesn't like to talk about this, but I do because I think it's important for the public to know. But he also does amputations. Um, it's a very sensitive topic. Uh, because no one wants to lo lose a limb. Uh, yeah. He does, he has developed a limb salvage program where he intervenes and helps as much as possible to save a leg. But once a patient starts to develop, say gangrene or fungus or sort of, some sort of infection on the foot, yeah. now they're at risk for all the other complications. And once you lose a limb, now you're wheelchair bound, now your life shrinks. You're, yeah. you have less quality of life and then it just continues to go downhill um, at that point. And he talks about, you know, the financial aspect of it too, how people go through their life savings because they're managing their disease. And so it's expensive to be sick. It really is. And constantly being exposed to this um, has in me, what started to happen is that as I was diving into this world of, you know, what it's like to be with, a, you know, just a vascular surgeon and, and his patients. And the, at the same time, I was coming into this information that, you know what, people have more control over their health than they've ever been told. So, yeah. you know, back in the day, a doctor would diagnose an individual, a patient with whatever, and then just start writing prescriptions and managing that disease. And that's about it. And I think it's important for people to understand that lifestyle and what we eat significantly uh, contributes to health diseases. Uh, and just a small portion is related to genetics. And I mean, all of this, I just learned, I mean, this is not my field, I'm not the doctor, but I read a lot um, as a result of wanting to help educate people. So in 2016, I made that significant change in my life. And I immediately started telling my husband, we need to educate the patients. They deserve the right to know this. They have to know this. And so I started, I put together some materials to, to educate the patients. And a lot of the material comes from the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine because yeah. they make educational pamphlets that you can have in the waiting room in the doctor's office, uh, along with posters. And you talk about the plate that the recommendations and that's sort of how it started. And then from there, it went to let's start creating educational events to draw the community to understand this information. And so I partnered with the library. I started showing documentaries there. We would hold lectures, do panel discussions potlucks. And then from there, little by little, I started learning about other people in the Dallas area that have been living this way for a while. And other people who have had heart disease and other health issues who need support. Uh, the podcast then came in 2018, when it dawned on me that maybe patients can't show up or are not willing to show up to an event because, you know, they might shy away from it. Uh, many yeah. of them do need transportation. And so I said, this is just another way that we can reach out to people that are interested in hearing the information without necessarily showing their face. Maybe they don't want to interact with other people. And that's kind of been 
the mission, the, for me, um, I'm driven every day by the idea that I can help educate someone about how they can improve their lives, you know, the quality of their lives. And, um, and I'm, I'm an educator by trade. That's who I, I, I was a teacher at one time. And so I think that way, like, like as if I have a curriculum, but it's called a podcast, right? So like, yeah, it's an educational platform. That's how I see it. Oh, beautiful. Well, you have a lot of great episodes and great guests on there. So just for the people listening, I will put your link for the podcast in the show notes so people get to listen to it and they get to listen to our episode together. Yeah, thank you. It's been amazing, too, because from that point, um, as Riz and I were learning all of this stuff, we learned about the blue zones. And then we learned about lifestyle medicine and we started to see, oh, well, the blue zones, the areas in the world where people live the longest without advanced disease, they have these components that the American College of Lifestyle Medicine trains, you know, healthcare providers on, which is, you know, a plan forward lifestyle or diet, you know, being active in your community, managing your stress, having healthy relationships and so it just all made sense. So when my husband decided to become board certified in that field of lifestyle medicine, I was helping him study. And of course, I had to read the materials too, because I, I'm just like intrigued by it all. And so I started absorbing all this um, knowledge. And that's when sort of I rebranded the podcast um, from the name it, that I used to have it under to healthy lifestyle solutions, because the word lifestyle is what we're teaching lifestyle medicine. And yeah. so I, yeah, I cover those topics. Um, nutrition is always very, very important, but we talk about the importance of getting adequate sleep, um, you know, meditation, mindfulness, mental health. Um, as a matter of fact, my life coach will be coming on pretty soon. And so I'm promoting building healthy relationships and even like, uh, that's leading now to more events. Uh, I was telling you earlier that we hosted Dr. Lori Marvis like three or four weeks ago. I don't, I can't remember because so much has happened. And uh, I basically, you know, got partnered with another support group. We, we go by pods um, as part of Plant Pure Communities. They're support groups. And, uh, and we drew out over 120 people to the library to watch a documentary. And Dr. Lori Marvis flew in for it. And I mean, the questions were intriguing because people are at different levels of their journeys. And then at the same time, the mingling and the connections that happen afterwards, that sense of building community and support is like what drives me. When I see these things happen and manifest, uh, I'm just like, it's happening. You know, people need this. They need to find each other. They need to find support. Yeah. Where, Where can people can learn more about how to access these events? Yeah. Okay. So um, I still am. uh, So I'll give you the website. We are going through a rebrand with that website, but so far it's still plantbaseddfw.com. And that's where, yeah, that's where I'm listing those events. And, um, and, you know, and I was telling you, uh, my life coach is coming on my podcast and now we're bringing her work to Dallas for a couple's retreat. Oh, awesome. And she has the experience and knowledge of blue zone living and, uh, and she's plant-based too. So how lucky am I? <laughs> like, yeah, it's work- going to be a great event. It's going to be an amazing event. And, um, I've been working for, with her for over two years when things started to come up during the pandemic, I was like, okay, 
there's more work that I need to do on myself and my issues that I don't want to face. And so it's been incredible what she's done in terms of helping me grow. And so I just began to see Maxine kind of like the work that you do that uh, the more guests I bring on the show, the more it adds to my own life. Like I'm so fortunate that I can sit here with specialists and pick their brain in many ways and learn from that because I'm growing as an individual. And I feel like if I'm growing, my listeners must be, must be growing as well. Yeah, for sure. The podcast is great. It's, there's a, there's always a little bit of a selfish component to it because like, well, I got some questions for me that I would like answered. Otherwise I would never be able to talk to this person. So, um, That's right. so for the couples retreat, for people that might be interested, when are the dates for that? Okay, so that's October 13th through the 15th. It'll be here in Dallas. We're only taking up to 10 couples. And I don't have the link yet up. Uh, I wish I had. I don't know when this is going to come out. It's going to come out. I'm going to have it August. up. Oh, then by then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll have the link in the bio for people. Yeah. So um, October 13th through the 15th, we're only taking um, 10 couples because we want it to be, you know, personal and there'll be activities. And I didn't mention this, but Michelle and Dean Yasuda, the our life coaches, are trained in that whole big leap and Hendrix Institute material. Oh, so, awesome. Yes. And that's exactly um when I started to hear you talk about the big leap and and really it was more the um oh the words just left me right now, but uh when we expand and we hit the upper limit. So yes, so I, when I, it's a small world, it's amazing. I feel like I'm just, I continue to attract uh, the people, in, you know, that are in that same vibration, that same field, because I was listening to you and I started to talk, uh, I realized that you talk about the upper limit. And that's exactly what Michelle and Dean teach us. Even in a marriage, you can hit the upper limit. And what is that, you know, when you're expanding and you're growing and we naturally want to bring ourselves down. So we cause an argument or we start to worry or, you know, just something happens. And so she's, I've been working with her for uh, over two years. So I see her every week. Um, And now I'm doing this mantra that you probably do from the big leap. I'm doing it every day, which I just want to read out loud for your listeners as well. But I say to myself, I expand in abundance, success, and love every day as I inspire those around me to do the same. And so that's exactly, you know, when I have that mentality, it's not just about me. It's about expanding myself, but also wishing the same for everyone else, everyone else that I come in contact with. And then it moves me from everybody becomes sort of like my ally. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Michelle teaches that like in a marriage that rather than seeing each other as divided and as the enemy, remember to get on the same side, you are allies in this together. And then you shift the, the mentality in terms of like how you're viewing a problem. And so, um, I, I love the work that she does so much that I want to bring it to my community and yeah, I would love and it, for, yeah, for other people yeah. to know about it too. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah. I love Gay Hendrick's work. I think you saw that, right? I had him on the yes. show maybe yes. like a few months ago. Um, yeah. Just awesome. Very vibrant man. I think he was just recovering from his accident because he had like an injury of some sort, but yeah. very, very vibrant man for his age is just full of life. You can see it in his eyes. Um, and it's such a great concept and it's true. Like 
operant limiting does show up everywhere. It will show up in your personal relationship, in, in your business, in your finances, in your relationship, in some of your friendships. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's really powerful work that you get to bring to people. Yes. And, you know, around the time that he had that injury, we went to Ojai, California for the Hend- Katie Hendricks led the couples workshop that we went to and our life coaches facilitated that. So they're, they're, they're like the right hand to Katie Hendricks to, to both of them. Yeah. And so Katie, it had just happened the week prior to the, the actual couples workshop. And she, so she was very sensitive and expressed what happened and talked about the upper limit. Um, and I, I love the openness and how vulnerable she allowed herself to be in sharing something so personal. Um, and then, yes, I've been following him now on social media and seeing his recovery and how he's just, it's like, he bounced back. Like when he was with you, it was like, wait, you would have never known he had this injury. Oh yeah. No, you, you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. Um, Perfect. And so for, for the people listening, how can they support you on the mission that you're on? Because I think it's beautiful what you and your husband are doing. Obviously, we're in the same space, me, you, Dr. Lori, Matt, the whole the whole plant-based um, advocate movement. So how can people support you in, in the work that you're doing? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, basically, I guess if you follow us uh, and say, I do have a, a, a link for a newsletter if you're interested in that. Uh, I put together this wonderful guide. It's a 20 page guide on how to prevent cardiovascular disease. And it's really associated with lifestyle medicine. You'll learn a little bit about uh, my husband and the work that he does. And, you know, in terms of clearing the arteries and the recommendations that he now makes for his patients. And then we, I, I threw in there some recipes and things like that. So if you follow us, I send out a newsletter explaining all that is happening. Um, but if you want to link uh, the link for that, it's bit B I T dot L Y forward slash join Dr. Riz. And that's D R R I Z. And you know, Maxime, I guess the most important thing for me is just to get the word out when we're offering anything. So we do events locally, but now I'm doing webinars with other experts. So I'm giving them a platform uh, for them to showcase the work that they're doing when they're supporting other people. So like this weekend, I have back to back, like three days in a row, lives, uh, live events that I'm doing to support uh, other experts, because I see anyone like yourself, like Dr. Marvis, you become a tremendous resource for my followers, for my community as well. And so that's how we support one another. So just go to, you know, follow our, our um, newsletter and then, you know, I'll let you know about our Eventbrite. That's where um, I post almost all the events so that if you know someone who can benefit from some of the content that we share, then please share it. Yeah, beautiful. So for everyone, I'll put all the link down below that way you just got to click on them and they'll bring you to where you need to. Maya, yes. I always I always like to a- uh, end on words of wisdom. So, if you had the opportunity to speak to you before you went plant based, with all of your knowledge that you have now, what is something that you would share to young Maya that again may be listening right now? Wow, I you know this is this is an exercise I need to do privately. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm gonna go do that. I'll be back. No. <laughs> It, it, you know, it's a beautiful thing that you just asked, because I think of the tremendous fears that I had growing up, I had health concerns. I, after my nutrition uh, class in college, I began to suspect my parents were at risk for type two diabetes. And sure enough, 
they both have type two diabetes and they would have never been diagnosed had I not pushed them to go get tested. So I guess, you know, looking back, I've always felt like when I was younger, like I wanted to be a healer. Like I just wanted to help people heal, but not just physically, emotionally. Um, And so, but it starts with us. Like if I'm not taking care of myself, I can't help other people. And so one of the most important things that I now know that I didn't know most of my life was how to take care of myself, how to um, set proper boundaries so that I put myself first so that I can give to other people. And so that would probably and that that can include like even taking care of, uh, you know, my my health associated with what I eat, getting adequate rest, managing my stress. So it's all that lifestyle component. So if I could just go back, I would put my hand on her chest and just, you know, comfort her and tell her that life is going to support me, that life always brings us the right tools and the right people. Once we're focused on what we want, we we begin to attract it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, those are beautiful words, beautiful words of wisdom. I want to say a massive thank you for taking the time to jump on the show. Thank you for sharing so authentically your story, providing so much value. And again, for the people listening, all the the links will be down in in the show notes below. So you can go and show some love to Maya to her podcast, subscribe to her newsletter, check out her YouTube and the amazing work that she's doing. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to support, please share it with others that would benefit from it. Share it on social media and be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at Maxim underscore official and on YouTube at FitVegan. The links will also be in the show notes. I'll see you in the next episode.